Hi, you're listening to Recommendations from My Taco Spouse. I'm Jen. And I'm Wesley. So let's get started. In this episode, we're actually discussing a Western live-action TV series. Are we? You do this every time. <laughs> every time. You know what we're talking about. It's my bit. Okay, I'm sorry. The fans demand it. We don't have any fans. The fans demand it. <laughs> so we're discussing the Wheel of Time TV series, which I forced Wes to watch, even though I've never read the books. The arrogance. <laughs> it's because I've never read the books that I wanted to watch the TV series. And clearly that was the wrong decision. So, hold up, hold up. We hadn't discussed the show at all. Like, no discussion between the two of us regarding this show before we watched it. Oh, before we watched it, yeah. And then I roll up into the kitchen one night, and I go, Hey, Jen, I've heard some things about that upcoming Wheel of Time show. I don't really know if I want to watch it. <laughs> and at which point you said... I oh, want to watch it. But I was so interested. I was. I was interested because I never read the books before. And I figured if I could know the story by watching the TV show, then I wouldn't have to read through like a thousand page book. Oh, so how'd that work out for you? Do you know the story now? <laughs> well, now I need to go read the novels. So, as a. Okay, so this is going to be another bit of a ranty episode. Well, we'll keep it. There's going to be some ranting. Sorry, I can't say that with a straight face. <laughs> this is going to be a bit of a ranty episode. If you liked the series and you think we're wrong, then feel free to turn off and go do something else. Go watch season two. <laughs> <laughs> but we did not enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it as a TV series and Wes did not enjoy it as a TV series or an adaptation. Yes. That is a fair way to put it. Yes. So we're going to have, first of all, with me ranting a little bit about why it was not a very good TV show, and Wes ranting a little bit afterwards about why it was not a very good adaptation. Yes. I think I managed to get most of it out of his system before we started recording, because we had many, many hours of discussion about the show. <laughs> so the show's an Amazon Prime TV show. Yes. And I don't actually know if there's any other Amazon Prime shows we've watched. But that aside... For this one, they dropped three episodes and then did a weekly release for each one. Yes. We watched the first three, not relatively quickly. Yes, yes, we did. But by the time we got to the end of episode five, which was well after uh, episode five has originally aired, we realized that our time between episodes- Was incredibly long. Was increasing <laughs> with each episode- <laughs> Plus, the rants were keeping me up when I needed to sleep. That's my fault. No, 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 it's cool. <laughs> it's... But but then I ended up going through and reading a synopsis and then flicking through the end of the series in order to save some time. Yeah, so I, 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 I'm counting it as I watch the whole thing, although people who probably enjoyed the show will be like, you didn't watch the whole thing, it doesn't count. Saving your sanity is always a worthy endeavor. That's why I don't touch the sauce. Oh, wait, I'm a woman, so I'm fine. Bitch. <laughs> so, shall we jump into it? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to jump into this like a raging river to prove I'm a woman. <laughs> <laughs> 
you go, go. And by that, I mean you're going to have to push me because I didn't want to watch this in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's kind of prophetic. Pathetic. Pathetic. Prophetic. It's like, we are part of the wheel. We are weaves in the pattern of anyway. Um, so- the wheel's always turning like Robert Jordan in his grave after they made this show. <laughs> oh! Oh, snap! <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. <laughs> wow! Wow! I'm going to have to flag this as 18 plus. <laughs> right, let's continue on. Okay. I'll try to be better. Are you good? Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'm trying. You're trying? I'm trying. Okay. So we get to the end of the first episode, and I turn to Wes and I say, wait, I'm confused. And Wes goes, wait, what are you confused about? And I said, well... I thought they were going to kill the dragon. I thought the dragon was the dark one and the bad guy. And you're like, what? Where did you get that from? Like, well, Moraine said it. When? And we went back to the beginning of the episode and, yep, that's what Moraine said. And that's what the entire first episode was telling me until Moraine said at the end, the dark one is going to save, uh, the dragon is going to save the world. So I'm going to read you what Moraine says, which is what made me incredibly confused right from the start. The world is broken. Many, many years ago, men who were born with great power believed they could cage darkness itself. The arrogance. The arrogance. Which in my mind was, okay, men try to wield the power of darkness. You know, like Harry Potter, power of dark is evil. <laughs> Nobody clearly learned defense against the dark arts in this series. <laughs> and when they failed, the seas boiled, mountains were swallowed up, cities burned, and the women of the Aes Sedai were left to pick up the pieces. Because, ugh, men. Jeez. Seriously? I mean, honestly, uh, men is practically the tagline of the show. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> These women remember one thing above all else. The man who brought the breaking of the world, and him they named Dragon. So you know what's really funny about that? To give a slight spoiler? What? For what's coming up later. When they do the flashback to 3,000 years ago... They don't even call him the dragon. They call him the dragon reborn. They do flashback. call him the dragon reborn. Yeah. So is he the dragon or is he the dragon reborn? That's true. And this, this, the speech at the beginning it implies that they Aes Sedai named him dragon after he he tried to wield the power of darkness and he broke the world because of it. Because of the arrogance. Because of the arrogance. Yes. And the fact that he tried to use dark magic and he broke the world. And yeah. then they named him dragon. Yes. So I'm like, okay, so there's a guy who used evil powers and then he broke the world because ugh, men there was power but it wasn't enough he had to go cage the dark one no 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 he didn't it didn't mention the dark one doesn't it right no there? no 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 uh oh, cage men who were itself, born with right. great power believed they could cage darkness itself which in my mind thinks okay so he tried to cage dark magic he tried to use dark magic in okay. my mind that's what that's what's happening fair enough is the dragon is a is a dark mage and then at the end, she says, the Dark One is waking, but there will be one who can stand against him. The dragon has been born again, and it's one of you. I'm like, wait, wait, but at the beginning... The, oh, that's you what she said at the very end of the episode. At the, yeah, that's what she said at the end. And I was like, but at the beginning, you said that the dragon was the Dark One, but now the Dark One and the dragon are two separate people? Well, at the beginning, I guess they never mentioned the Dark One. They never they mentioned just the say Dark that one. the dragon fucked everything up with the darkness. Yeah, they don't really mention the Dark One that much at all in the first episode. See, I was thinking you might like Moraine because of this, because you really hate the band called The Darkness. I do, yes. I'm getting off the subject. Yes, you are. But, yeah, yeah. So, so that's why helped. I was like, I'm really confused. This isn't <laughs> helped at all by the second scene of the show. No, no. Where they show a bunch of mages. Moraine's mages 
bunch of Moiraine's buddies. Lady mages. Lady mages. horses. Chasing down a dude. Well, chasing down two dudes. Chasing down two dudes. And then they go up to one and they go, filthy male, you corrupt the power when you touch it. And then they kill him off screen. Yes. You and hear him screaming and Moraine's standing on top of a cliff. Yeah. They, as and they, she's they, going, they pan, oh, I guess it wasn't him then. <laughs> yeah. They pan up to Moraine and they kill him off screen. Yeah. Now, at this point, everyone who's in the know is going, Ugh, they didn't kill him. They gentled him. But if you know nothing about the Wheel of Time. Which I knew nothing about. I thought they killed him. They killed him because it goes off screen. And, and you hear him screaming. You hear him screaming. And it pans up to Moraine. And she goes, I guess that wasn't him then. That wasn't the Dragon Reborn. Yeah. We have to keep looking. So in a way, from a viewer perspective, she's condoning the action that they just did of killing a man. Yes. So which feeds which, into the whole, we're going to find the dragon to kill him. Yes. 100%. That's why I thought right? she went to the two rivers. Yeah. Well, I'm still confused about why she went to the two rivers. They heard rumors of for Taviran. Uh, I don't know what that is. That's fine. They never explain it. No, I don't know what Taviran is. They never explain it. They were just like... We got four. Yeah, no, that was another thing. It's like, why is she there? Why is she stalking these kids? Or who are, I guess, adults? They never explain it. No. No, they do in the book. They give this whole thing quite a bit more explanation. But I'm not onto my book part yet. We're looking at this as a failure of a TV show first. Yes. And can I give you one of my biggest failures of this as a TV show? What's that? In, I don't know, in order to court the book readers, I feel, they keep just dropping in little bits from the book here and there without worrying about whether or not it makes sense in any way. So they have her go, there's four Taviran in the four, in the two rivers, but then they never explain it. No. I'm like, what is, and most book what readers okay. who see that go, that's a stupid rumor to hear <laughs> because most people don't know what a Taviran is. And how are you going to recognize that there is one? And if you do how recognize you... that there is one, how do you recognize that there's four? Like, there's a whole, this is getting into the whole bad ad- adaptation part, but just they put the line in there to be like, We're, see, book readers, we know the book, we know what's going on. Wink, wink, wink. But then they never explain it later, and it's a stupid statement from the first place. I do, that's a point. If they, A, I don't know what Taviran was. Actually, no, wait, I don't know what Taviran was. Yeah. And so I, I, she just heard you rumors about this thing. But if I did know what Taviran was from reading the books, then how did someone know that they were Taviran? Yeah. How that, did someone then go off and spread these rumors? That's also a problem. Yeah. 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 So she goes off and then she's she's bro- brooding around the village going, Ugh, kids. Kids are horrible anyway. I completely, <laughs> that, that is one thing I can agree with. Right? Well, actually, I like the, the boys. You know the problem with kids? What? Nobody decides to oil the swing sets around our house and we hear them all the time. <laughs> That's true. But- <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no, but so one of the issues though also is that you're saying that as a show watcher only, you're sure that Moiraine and her band of mages. Yeah, Moiraine and, and her samurai buddy are going to go kill. They're going to find the dragon and kill There's them. the red ones as well. Yes, but yeah. they didn't go with them to the village. True, but evidently they seem to be the more hands-on hit squad at this point. That's true, yeah. yeah. As a book reader, in this episode and then at the start of episode two, I made two cracks. at the, When she was first talking, because of the ridiculousness of her little opening monologue that fits nothing from the lore, I made some crack about how, you know, oh, you can't trust what a witch has to say. And then at the opening of episode two, when the White Cloaks show up, I go, ah, Here's the heroes of her picture. 
And you turned to me and you said, if you say things like that, I haven't read the books and I'm going to take it seriously. Yes, I did. And so I made a concerted effort to not make comments like that anymore (laughs) while watching it because to me, I'm going- these are the heroes, and then that's going to make, oh, okay, these guys are the heroes then. Which, which the White Cloaks definitely are not the heroes. But Well, are they not? Like I was. I mean, the White Cloaks are right. <laughs> but um, they're not the heroes. <laughs> but so the, that was the issue, though, is that from a book reader perspective, I'm going, oh, you know, we've had two eyes that I speak thus far. Moiraine in her intro, and then Evil Red wanted she ganked a guy. Mm. And everything they've spun has been bullshit from a book perspective. So I'm going, well, you can never trust an eyes to die. But as a viewer, you don't I'm, have any that they, they are my they are the heroes of the story, so I have to trust everything they say. They are your window into this world. Yeah. And so if they're immediately spinning bullshit, that doesn't help you. No, as no, whereas they weave bullshit. They weave. Right, sorry. Carry on. Well you have to spin it into Yarn know. and then and then they weave. Yeah. 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 It's just <laughs> But no, but that that's the problem, right? Is that they're dropping information that has a view. It's the first thing you know about this world. Is the dragon is a bad guy and they're going to go kill him. And they, for all the right reasons, because men you, go crazy and taint the source. Yes. That's what Reddy says in scene two. Yes. It's, it's a mess. But that's just episode one. But actually, I guess we didn't even cover everything in episode one, but we probably shouldn't do a whole summary of every single episode and everything that's wrong with it. Like, I did a little look online to see what communities were saying about the show. Okay. And one of the things that people kept saying in response to things like that is that, oh, well, they're unreliable narrators. How do we know that, though? Well, you don't know that. And I the don't prob- know that. The problem that really got to me about that is that when ep- – so ep- episode one starts in media res and all that, and, you know, you got people going off on adventures and doing – hunting down men and random bullshit, and you don't get an intro. No. The first time you see the intro is in what? episode two. Oh, right. Yes. And the intro that you see- The intro is video. The intro video. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The OP in anime terms. And the intro shows the a, bunch of, a bunch of weaving happening, mm. you know, because that's threads and all. They never take time to talk about the wheel weaving, the threads of time and all that. And I don't think they bother to spe- deal with any of that. I guess- But they put it into the intro because it looks pretty. Yeah. Randstad kind of explains the wheel- a little bit. So we yeah, have the wheel. Yeah. And we know weaving is a is a thing to do with magic. And then the intro is like, ooh, pretty thread. Yeah, making but the, this the threads, tapestry. The threads making the tapestry and the threads that they weave for magic are two different entirely different things. Oh. Oh. Wait, ready? Yeah. Wait, what? Sorry. What? Yeah. Spoilers. It doesn't matter. I don't think they're putting it. <laughs> they didn't explain it in the no. show. It doesn't really matter. Um but so my issue though is that they have it weaving this big tapestry and they put the orchestral music over it because Exactly. You gotta you gotta get your Game of Thrones thing, yeah. right? But the picture that it pulls back to reveal it's been weaved are a bunch of eyes to die mm-hmm. made to look like Catholic saints. Yeah, because they're the good guys. Because they're the good guys. Yeah. So you everything is reinforcing this. The eyes to die are good, they're perfect, they're pure. They're holy. They're everything. Like they're they, literally sanctified in the opening. Yeah. And so when people are saying, "Well, they're unreliable narratives. You can't trust what you say." The entire show is trying to say the opposite. Yeah. I mean, one of the when you finally start learning about what an eyes to die is, Moiraine says, "Rule number one: We cannot lie." Mm-hmm. Which makes me think, oh, they're you know good guys because it's a good thing to not lie, and they cannot kill. 
We can't Which kill. We can't, unless in self defense. We can't lie. So everything the show is saying is you need to trust everything they're saying. And then people are defending it by saying, oh, no, there's unreliable narrators. Well, you also especially have to trust Moraine because she's the main character. Because she's the main character, yes. Yes. What's what's The Wheel of Time supposed to be about? Because this is the Moraine show. Oh, wait, it's the Moraine and the Egwene show because episode one was all about how amazing Egwene is. Episode one was all about Egwene. Yeah. and Episode like one through eight were all about Egwene. No, 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 not episode eight or seven. I think I think one to five was mostly focused on Egwene. Because it was the Egwene show. Yes. Egwene or Moraine show. And, the Moraine. and then Moraine was on screen for most of the time. After that. After that. Yeah. Sorry. So you think that they're there to kill the dragon. And then at the end of episode one, she goes, I'm here to protect you because one of you is the dragon. Yes. So there's there's the twist. They subverted your expectations. Well, I wouldn't call it subverted. I'd just say confused. But I guess. Subverted your... It's, it's the modern storytelling. It's what everyone has to do. It's why Star Wars episode eight was so beloved. They took your expectations and they expertly subverted them. It's a modern storytelling. No more mystery boxes, although we have that too, because who is the dragon? But we're also subverting expectations. Well, the dragon was obviously going to be a green right from the start, because she's Perfect. the one that's on screen all the time and everybody talks about her when when she's not on screen. That makes her Poochie, not the dragon. <laughs> she's the Poochie reborn. <laughs> So yeah, so so you know, oh, the dragon reborn. One of it's you. We need to go on a big adventure, and then they go off on a big adventure, and Moraine explains jack shit to any of them, to none of them. Every time they ask a question, she's like, she probably gives probably about two sentence answer, or Land does, and then and then they get interrupted by something. Like they they're traveling for hours on end, and as soon as somebody asks a question, something happens. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She did give a giant exposition dump about an old city that was destroyed. And then she fainted. No, that was before she fainted. No, the expedition, and then she fainted. No, I'm saying, but that, that, not, not that old city. The oh. first old city she talks. She talks about the first old city when they're riding away, and they kind of look around, and they're like, you know what we this needs right now? A nice, sad song. And so all the kids oh, sing the sad yeah, song. They and do. then she gives a big exposition dump about a dead city that doesn't she doesn't really tie well in but I, it happened in the book so you had to put it in the show oh wait yeah i completely forgot about that oh. what what was that supposed to be important to the story nah <laughs> not not in the show okay but then yes you're right then after she gives the second exposition dump about the other dead city then she wait I th- because that's in the same episode they do the song and then they go to the dead city yes i thought that was the city she was referring to and no sorry there's two different dead cities what Yes. What? Yeah. The first no, I actually thought that that was supposed to be the dead city they were singing about. No, no, no. They sang about the dead city that would then... Yeah, that was a different dead city. Okay. That okay. was the... So there's... See, episode they, they two put, is they, also confusing. They called it episode two because it's about the two cities. Kind of like the two towers, but it's the two city. <laughs> that's not why they called it that. But, <laughs> no, don't, don't tell me these things. I will believe you. I know. That's the problem. Um, I'm gullible. No, not like the show's explaining anything, but no, yeah, they sing a song about a dead city, but that was a good dead city. That one was full of light and hope, and then it, it died. It, it, it eventually got overrun by Trollocs, and everyone died. Oh, right, because then no, you're right. Because she was talking about how then that that became the two rivers because yes. everybody banded together and something magical happened. Uh, no, that was in Canto. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> no, no. Uh, 
if by something magical happened, you mean the queen took in too much power and uh, wiped like, out wiped out the invading hordes, yeah. leaving nothing but the bare remains of her army that hadn't been killed. Yes, that was that was something magical. Yeah, yeah, but no, that's not. That was the first they, dead she city. She was given a miracle. Yes, and then there was a second dead city, which right. they turned into a uh, you know thinly failed Trump allegory. I completely missed that. If I remember right from the book, they don't build a giant wall around the city. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, they need something to keep the Trollocs out because the Trollocs can't go into the city. They tr- So that's, yeah. that's a thing. Yeah. Was, was There's a big group of Trollocs chasing them, which is why they need to hurry. Need to hurry, need to hurry, need to hurry. And then Moraine is, is like horribly sick because she's been stabbed by a poisonous something. And so Lana's like, I know, let's go into this city that she told me not to go into. The Trollocs won't follow us in there. And so they run into the city and the Trollocs stay outside. And at the end of the episode, everybody manages to leave the city and then the Trollocs are nowhere. If I was the Trollocs, I would have put a perimeter around the city for whenever they would come out. Because either the city's going to kill them or they're going to escape. And because the Dark One knows that they're important, he should know that they're going to escape. Because plot armor. Because plot armor. Yes. And so why why were the Trollocs not waiting for them when when they got out? Like why were they not patrols? And then they weren't followed again afterwards. And they don't actually explain this in the show, as we've already touched on. But the word Taviran hmm. is old tongue for plot armor. Oh really? Not okay. Not literally. Like someone's going to get I mean, my gut for saying that. It's an interpretation. I it's mean, an, you can't translate Taviran into English because... I'm localizing it. Yeah. Filthy localizing. Yes, yes. I'm localizing the word Taviran. It means plot armor. Okay. Or it's main character syndrome. Kind of a mixture of both because you can't be main character without plot armor. Yeah. Which is why, to draw this in full circle, because we made a riff about Wheel of Time earlier, it's why Ned Stark gets his head cut off. Wait, what? George R.R. Martin wrote Wheel of Time kind of in response to old school fantasy like Wheel of Time. And he's like, well, no one ever dies in Wheel of Time. So he takes his main character and cuts his head off at the end of the first book. Uh, slash end of the first season. So he's like, ha. I subverted no. your expectations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. No, um, no. so yes. So they go into a walled city. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the city built a wall around themselves and then fell into suspicion and greed and everyone died. And darkness literally consumed everybody. Yes, because again, thinly veiled Trump allegory. I still don't. Okay, we carry on. It's it's the whole Trump you, wanted to build a wall. Yes. A lot of people want to build walls. Yeah. I mean, the Brits would, but we already have a moat. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, so you just built a paper wall with Brexit. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> And remember, if you build a wall between North Ireland and Ireland, you're going to start the troubles again. So don't do that. Don't do that. No. Nobody wants the troubles. No. So really, you should dig a moat. Yes. Another moat. Another moat. No, but so what I'm getting to here is your issue with the Trollocs. Yes. The, 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 the magically there's, there's disappearing like, Trollocs. Yes. Like a, literally an army of hundreds of Trollocs, which we saw gallivanting down the mountains at the end of the first episode. Gallivanting's a great word for it. <laughs> I know, right? Because God knows they aren't a threat in this show. Nope. <laughs> a Trolloc doesn't do anything in this show. No, in the first episode, they do kill a lot of people. And the Trollocs were really cool in the first episode. That fight was pretty awesome. I have to give it that. Okay. I, I would agree. I, yeah. 
that was the only action we saw. That was the only Trollocs we saw. Because after that... Well, there's Trollocs in episode eight. I guess technically there's Trollocs in episode six when they're in the ways. No. Or was that episode seven? That was episode seven. Episode, was episode six seven. was all politics all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't do anything except for the first episode where it's kind of cool. Yeah. And but yeah. what I'm trying to get to in this whole bit, I keep going off on tangents to make bad jokes. All your issues with that scene... Mm-hmm. 100% explained in the books. Of course it is. Every single time I complain about something, you're like, yeah, this is explained in the books, which is why I need to go read the books, evidently, because Clearly. the show didn't explain anything and it was full of plot holes that were really annoying. I think that was that was the thing, was that I'm pretty sure if I didn't care about plot holes, then I wouldn't have cared that much. But the fact that there were kind of so many, it was kind of getting annoying, and that's why we both ended up ranting more and more and more. <laughs> and it leads me into one of my big issues with the show, as a show, not as an adaptation, Little nickels or plot holes or whatever are a lot easier to ignore if what you're watching is engaging. Yes. And there was nothing about the show that engaged me. Yes. There wasn't really... You had episodes, but they weren't really focused on anything. I think probably because you had a cast of seven main characters. Maureen obviously being the head main character, and Egwene being the second main character, and then Lan and then Nynaeve, and then Perrin, Matt, and Rand. Rand was the least important. Probably, yeah. Up um, until the end. Well, I guessed he was important because he's ginger, and I've read um, Discworld. <laughs> Discworld? Captain Carrot? You're an, adop- you're an adopted orphan? You have a magical sword from your adopted father? Oh, no. I've seen this before. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rinswin, calm down. <laughs> Oh, so geez, I was I was joking at the at the start that he'd be important because he was ginger and, and good looking and yep <laughs> huzzah but he wasn't important up to that point he didn't do anything he didn't do anything Perrin he moped Perrin killed his wife and then spoilers and then didn't do anything, didn't do anything. Matt got a knife and then didn't do anything and didn't do anything. He maybe killed a family. He maybe killed a family, and then he was on a bed for a couple of episodes. He also stole from a corpse. He did. So, and no. he made friends with a with a guy in a bar. He made friends with a guy in a bar. Who saved while stealing from a corpse? Yeah. So and really, Matt did the most out of yeah. the three guys. I honestly did like the acting for Matt Perrin and Rand when they were on screen. That's why they were my favorites. But they didn't do anything with them. Yeah. And then, and then at the beginning of episode three, it jumped, popped up with one month later. Was that? No, that was episode five. That was episode five? That was episode five. Oh, God. I lose, they all kind of merged together. And the only reason is because you were saying how like none of the episodes really ever did anything. Yeah. Episode five is the only one that kind of lets digs into a character and tells a fully yes! contained story. Yes! The problem is they do it for and- someone who's not part of your main ensemble. Nope. And then they kill him off at the end. Well, so Lang could have sadness. I don't care. That's why, I mean, he was like the third main character. <laughs> He's the third main character because he gets like supporting cast role in one episode about a nobody. I mean, I don't want to be too harsh, but that's what happened there. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's true. From five onwards, it definitely became the Moraine show. Kind of started as a Moraine show, even kind of though she spent episode two and three unconscious. But I mean, like, I started watching episode six, and Moraine was on the screen for 20 minutes out of the hour before 
any of the five main characters, the supposed dragon reborn. Yeah, supposed dragon reborns popped up. Yeah. Can I give you my other big fault about the show as a show? Yeah. So I would agree in that they turned it into the Moraine show. But one of my big issues is that a lot of the marketing and then the end of the first episode, the big stinger was one of these five is a dragon reborn. That was a big thing. You know, who is the dragon? Who is the dragon? They, they tried to make it into a hashtag that didn't catch on and all that good stuff because that's modern marketing. But at no time during the series do they explain in any way why it sh- we should care that one of them is the dragon. Or what the dragon. Well, I guess the say, dragon is a magical, the one type yeah, title. Yeah. But but that doesn't mean anything. Shit. No. I mean, you get your intro that says that the dragon destroyed the world. Huh? One of them is the dragon reborn. Okay, great. But nobody in, like, it's not even, nobody in the show cares about a dragon. No. Like, when... Except, Moiraine, except for that one dark friend who's like, one of you's the dragon. If I take you to the dark one, I'll get prizes. Yes. But... But like at the in the first episode, at the very end, when Moiraine turns around and goes, "One of you is the dragon," she's not saying this confidentially. She's saying this in the middle of a crowded square, and nobody cares. Like mm-hmm. this entire village just hears that possibly one of these kids is a dragon, and nobody cares. Nobody she just told it to cares. Uh, Rand and Matt walk into a bar and they find. You know, this ex-rock and roller playing Sympathy for the Dragon. Yeah, he does. He, he's literally, he's sitting there just saying, going, man, the dragon had a hard life. Maybe we misjudged him. That's like the purpose of his song. And everyone's just kind of listening, going, Oh, yeah, it's so sad. Maybe he's right. Maybe we did misjudge the dragon. Nobody, nobody gives a shit about what the dragon could be. So the dragon was evil and he tried to wield the power of darkness, but really he's not a bad guy and everyone should be sad that he died. He also destroyed the world. He also destroyed the world. But I mean, you know, he had a hard life. Yeah. You know, men, men will be men. I mean, it's going to happen. Yeah. Right? So that's that's my big issue is that even if I wasn't a book reader, if I'm just watching the show and you're telling me one of them's a dragon and I'm going, so what? Who cares? I don't, you don't seem to care. Nobody in the show seems to care. I guess, I guess we're, as the audience are supposed to care because we are fans of fantasy. And as fans of fantasy, we have the one capital t capital o i guess sci-fi as well if you include matrix in that you have the one who is the one that will save the world and that is what the dragon is save and the world from what what what's going on in the world that needs saving maureen says the dark one and there's a bunch of trucks so new matrix just came out right yeah let's go back to the original matrix morpheus is looking for the one i'm picking this one because of the language used we start that one off immediately by having weird government agents body snatch people, dodge bullets, killing, hunting random people, just doing all sorts of weird shit. And when finally Neo wakes up, there's a desolated world full of mechanical squids going around killing people. Hmm. So if you tell me that there's a one, there needs to be a one. Because there's the something for them. In to, the world's in danger, and there's something to stand against. In this, the what, world's not in danger. You're what, right. What's going on? Why do we need a dragon reborn? Who cares? The world were, has trollocs now, and things are bad that people talk about. 
I mean, the world always had Trollocs. That's why when they get up to the Borderlanders, the Borderlanders have a bunch of fortresses and seem pissed off all the time because they've been spending their entire lives fighting Trollocs. I guess in the first episode, they do say, oh, I heard a rumor that there's a war. And then Rand's dad's like, eh, what happens? It's not a problem because we live in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't explain what the dragon is, except meta, you know, meta knowledge. We know the one is important. uh, Mm. The dragon is important. (laughs) And... But there's no threat against the world, even though the dragon is going to save the world. And and the whole thing is like... Oh, well, the dragon's going to stand against the Dark One. It's like, oh, okay, that sounds kind of cool. What's the Dark One doing? Well, he's sealed up. Well, how do how do we get him out? Is he getting out? Well, he'll get out if you break him out. Well, then why'd you come talk to me? If I didn't know, I would have never broke him out. Yeah, just leave him there. <laughs> That's true. They don't, they're just saying the, the Dark One's getting stronger. Because but we haven't seen him do anything. To go, he doesn't do anything. To go cage the Dark One is arrogance, so clearly that's not the right answer. No, to cage the darkness is arrogance. And the Dark One and darkness are separate. I don't know. Actually, I, when I was typing out the script for that, um, they capitalized darkness. So I guess in the script, or if you were reading the subtitles, it would imply something important. No, no. But- See, that, that's just like Japanese, where the <laughs> subtitles show one kanji, but the characters speak a different word. So that you can get the dual meaning there. Right. It's the same thing, but in English. Yeah, that didn't work. It it never works. It doesn't work in Japanese either. (laughs) It's because of the lack of drive that leaves me... Yeah, there's no motivation for the individual characters either. Yeah, there's no individual motivation. There's no overarching motivation. And because of the lack of any of that, it leaves me as a viewer a lot of free time pick on small points. Yes. Because that's what I I was saying at the beginning of this little tangent here, is that you pick up on all these small points and plot holes and stupid inconsistencies because there's nothing else to engage you. Yes. I mean, really, the focus of the show, like I said, it's the Moraine show, and we were joking at first, but really it is because everything is driven by Moraine. She's the one that goes there. The series starts with her. She's the one that goes there, finds the kids. She's the one that is like, we need to get to the White Tower. And when they get to the White Tower, she's the one that's kind of pushing the kids to do the thing as well as trying to deal with her political stuff. So really, that's the motivation. We know her motivation is to to find the dragon and take them to the Dark One, which is clearly a good thing-ish, although I'm not too sure by the end of the show. Well, episode three or four, the Dark Friend wants to take the dragon to the Dark One. Yeah. So is that a good thing? Because that's what the dark friend wants to do. So Moraine is a dark friend? I don't know. <laughs> well, we know we know she isn't, but most of it's it's kind of following Moraine and her motivations. And Perrin is sad that his wife is dead and that he killed her. But he just kind of goes along because he has nothing else to do. Yeah. Matt finds a knife which possesses him. And then he's kind of tripped out. So he doesn't have any motivation to do anything. He's off tripping on Dark Dagger. The only motivation they give him is, I need to be there for my younger sisters because my parents are both shitheads. Yes. I need to get back to the two rivers. I need to get back to the two rivers. But he never does. No, because he's stopped by the dagger, basically. But why would the dagger care about 
that. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean because he possesses the dagger, he's then going, "Ooh, I'm out of it all the time," but and I'm angry. But it comes back to the thing is so they escape the dead city, mm. uh, Shadow Logoth, Shadar Logoth, whatever they call it in the show, and you've got essentially two pairs. You've got Matt and Rand, and you've got Perrin and Egwene at that point. Mm-hmm. And that part actually really made me laugh because you have the Matt and Rand pair and they're like, so what do we do now? And Rand's like, well, I'm going to the White Tower. And I was no, like, why would you do that? And he no, goes, Rand, Rand says, no, you do these. I'm going back to the True Rivers because that's where Egwene's going to go. No, no. He says White Tower because that's where Egwene's going to go. Okay. And because uh, I remember laughing about this because they're like, so what do we do now? And he goes, well, I'm going to go to the White Tower because that's where Egwene's going. And I you know, I have to be there for her to help right, her. Yes. And Matt's just kind of like, oh, I guess I'll go with you, despite the fact that he has no motivation to go. Like, his whole motivation is, I need to get back to my sisters because I've left him with two shithead parents. But then we do a hard cut over to Perrin and Egwene, and Perrin's like, so where do you think the other two are going? And she just goes, well, obviously they're going back to the Two Rivers because they never cared. And Perrin's like, no, you're stupid. They're going to the White Tower. And she's like, well, how do you know that? He's like, because you're going to the White Tower, and Rand cares about nothing but you in this show. So... You know, for Egwene to go to the White Tower because she's going to be a witch. Great. Good for her. Have your Hogwarts adventure. And for Rand to go to the White Tower because everything in this show about him is devolved to Egwene Egwene makes sense. But for the other two at that point, it's like, why? What are you doing? I think Matt does try to convince Rand to go back to the, the two rivers. And Rand's like, no, I'm going to the tower. You can come with me or not. And he's like, fine. Yeah. And there was another thing that, yeah. But it's, it's what we were just saying. There's it's lack of individual motivation for yes. characters. Rand's motivation is Egwene. Egwene's motivation is herself. Nineveh's motivation is is everybody else. But then, actually, Nineveh is probably, yeah, yeah. Then then Lan. But I guess Nineveh, at when she is around. At least you can tell her drive is mostly, well, what about the others? Yes, which I liked, because that is... And the- also, fuck you, White Tower bitches. Yes, which is always good. Yeah. Because everything the show's shown us is that they're horrible people. Yeah. All of them. No, 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 they're the good guys, and they're saintly. Yes. And the opening. Yes. Yes. Right, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, as a show, it was a little disappointing, because... We didn't really have a clear motivation for anybody, and we didn't really clear have a clear threat. Any threat that there was possessed was gone. I don't know, like, we don't know where the Trollocs went. We don't know what happened to Slithery Snake Dune Worm Guy. The Fade. That's what I said. Yep. We, the, oh, the White Cloak. White Cloak gets immediately neutered. Well, he, he, he does a couple of, he murders a witch, and he's like, ha ha ha, I'm evil. And then he tortures two of the characters, and then the two characters he tortures goes, and he goes, ah, and runs away. You know, he gets stabbed inside, and then he passes out, and then they steal his loot and disappear. Right. Because uh, Perrin's dogs are raiding the camp. Oh, so they did stab him. Egwene does, yeah. Okay. Which is just, I'll get into that when I talk about adaptation, but um, okay. no, yeah, they- Perrin stands up, his eyes flash colors, he goes growl, and uh, the guy goes, save me, the light, save me. And then Eglin goes, ha ha, and stabs him in the back, steals his rings, disappears. Right. Um, And, oh, the fake dragon is like, ha ha, I'm all powerful. Uh, No, I'm not. 
Yeah, they Two take care of him in no, one episode. One episode? They take care of him at the end of episode four. Oh, geez. Okay. They, oh, okay. Technically, you see him in the very last scene of episode three, and then all of episode four is dealing with, oh, so this guy's the dragon. No, no, he's not. Aha, uh-huh, Night Nave's so powerful. So they have, and then and then the dark one turns up in their dreams in episode two and then doesn't do anything after that. He's a jump scare. He's literally, he makes you barf up bats and he jump scares you. Yeah. So we've got five threats, all of which don't drive anything and which are taken off pretty quickly. Taken care of pretty quickly. Yes. Okay. So we have no threats. We have no individual motivation. We don't really have any focus on the main characters because Moraine is the main character. And it was overall pretty disappointing as a show. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with everything you just said. Yeah. Which is a shame because I really wanted to like it, which is why I forced you to watch it. And I'm sorry for forcing you to watch it because it it seemed to cause you physical and emotional pain. I mean, and I'm not even a diehard fan of this show. Of the books. Of this of the books, of the series, of the story, whatever. Yeah. I was given by a friend the first book in the late nineties. When you were what? Small. Well, thirteen? Very small. Baby. Baby Wes. Very small. Baby Wes got a book. And I did what I did with all books at the time. I devoured it and caught up to the most current one immediately. Now, the problem at the time is that when you get to the middle of the series... Which was the, the most current one at that time? Uh, Winter's Heart. Uh, which number is that? Book nine. Okay. So when I got to book nine, by the time you get there, the pacing slows a lot. Like before that, you've got a lot happening. There's a lot of balls in motion and there's a lot of adventure and a lot of action and there's, you know, political intrigue and all sorts of things. But by the time you get to about book nine, there's a lot of viewpoints and everything slows down. And it's taking you two and a half years between books, not to read, to be released. And when the book is released, it comes out in hardback. Oh, yeah. And you're a middle schooler who doesn't want to spend the money, or maybe it was high school, I don't remember. But you're, uh, you don't want to you spend, the money, to spend the money on a hardback. Especially if all your books up to that point are paperback. Especially if they're all paperback by that point. Yeah, you need to match Especially them. if the last two haven't been exactly exciting. And so you wait for the paperback to come out, which might be six months to a year later. And then you read that, and nothing happens in it again. So that was pretty much where I dropped the series. I went, you know, maybe when it finishes, I'll catch up with it again. Then there was, of course, the issue with the author passing away. Then it got taken over by Brandon Sanderson, Sanderson, and he finished it off. But by this point, I am now 14, 15 years removed from the series. I have read a lot of other books in the median, and I just, it was a fond childhood memory, and I just didn't care much anymore. I think I actually at one point went, oh, the last book came out, and I looked up a couple wiki entries to see what happened to this character, what happened to this character, and that was about the end of it for me. So I'm not one of the diehards. You know, when I go online in some of these places, I see people go, oh, I reread the series every year. I've listened to the audiobook of it four times. You know, there are people who are really invested into this. Yeah. Yeah. A YouTuber I follow has five different copies of the whole series. Yeah. It's well. One of Amazon's masterclass strokes here was that they bought out all the YouTubers and invited them to the premiere and gave them backstage access and all that garbage. So you're not going to find a lot of them talking about things. Well, you're going to find them talking about the show, 
but not critiquing it. Yeah. They'll call it a critique and then they'll just sit there and say how good it was. Give it a reach around the whole time. Wave around, wave away the flaws. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I guess what I'm going to do is I, that's my background with the books. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed them for what they were. Didn't care enough to finish them. But because of the series, you did reread the first one. But because of the series, I did reread the first one, and I had a lot of fun re- doing that again. And now I need to read it, too. I mean, if you want to. I, <laughs> I find it really enjoyable. But I think that it's also the perfect example of a quote that Terry Pratchett once said. And I'm going to misquote this. But he said once that J.R.R. Tolkien was essentially the Mount Fuji of Western fantasy literature. In that it's like when you look at Japanese art and you'll either see Mount Fuji big and up close or you'll see it far off in the distance. And then sometimes you won't see it at all. And that means that either the author has consciously decided not to include Mount Fuji or that they're standing on it. And I think that's, you can't read, especially the first couple books without thinking of Tolkien. There's a lot of people who say, oh, book one is just his version of uh, Fellowship of the Ring. And definitely to some extent, that's true. But I mean, it has inspired this passion and this love in so many people. So it just feels so weird to me that when you're adapting it, you purposely go off to change so much. Mm, mm -hmm. Like we've ripped into it as a TV show. I would say as an adaptation, it's even worse. (laughs) I think that's why it was causing you physical pain (laughs) just to watch it. And it's because it was because... For all the changes they made, they didn't do anything that gripped me. You know, it was everything I was saying about plot holes earlier. If you want to change something, but it's for the better of the story, and the story is so engaging that you're like, okay, yeah, I'll roll with it. I mean, to draw back to that Lord of the Rings I was just harping on about, Fellowship of the Ring, very beginning of the book, uh, Frodo gets stabbed by a cursed dagger and passes out. Hey, that sounds like the TV show. None of that happened in the book for Eye of the World, but that sounds like the TV show for uh, Wheel of Time. So they put in more Lord of the Rings references, I guess. But anyway, what I'm getting to is in the movie, they have to get him to Rivendell because it's a cursed blade. And uh, Arwen, the female elf, yeah, picks him she, up and she runs. turns up. She turns up, she gets She's him on like, his oh, horse, crack. she outruns the Nazgul, yeah. gets across this, uh, the Sacred River, they get him into Rivendell, spells, all that good stuff. In the book, it's not Arwen. Oh, right. It isn't? In the book, it's a different elf. It's been a very long time since I read it. Totally fine. In the book, it's an elf called Glorfindel. And there were people who were upset or annoyed that, hey, they changed it. Why are they putting uh, Arwen in here? I like Glorfindel as a character and all this. That's the kind of move, though, that you have to make in an adaptation. Mm -hmm. Because you're not dealing with whatever it is, 400,000 words. You're dealing with a small chunk of time. And for that, I guess they couldn't really introduce a second character just for that one tiny scene. It, and it also allows you to introduce Arwen a lot earlier, which builds up the romance between her and Aragorn, which then makes more sense later when you see her so troubled about traveling to the Western lands, and when you see him so adamant about turning down Eowyn's advances in Rowan, or Rohan, whatever it is. So, you know, it, it, it they made a change. But they did so to further the storyline in an important way and to whittle down on the characters that you're focusing on. I can't think of any change they made in this TV series that I would ascribe those same motivations to. 
none of it makes sense to me. Like none of the changes that they made, I can see any reason for making those changes. Um, we were just talking about the gateway mm-hmm. right before we started recording this. Yeah. And I was just kind of going, this, this, this just doesn't make sense. Like they left Matt on the other side. Well, I mean, beyond that, even just the fact that they have Moiraine open it using the power. Yeah. Because it, it sets up a bunch of weird questions. Like how does Pad and Fane get in? How did the Trollocs get in when they made their way to the two rivers? You know, all these different, there's a lot of weird questions where you're going, Trollocs can't channel, Fades can't channel, Pad and Fane can't channel. Well, I assume, as, as somebody who's never read the books and is only watching the series and none of it's been explained, I'm assuming the Dark One has evil men channelers on his side and he's, they're, they're the ones that open it. I guess. I mean, that's it the assumption you have sense. to make. But yeah, in the, is the assumption. In the book, part of the whole reason that the Ogier loyal comes along on this whole thing, he knows how to open the gateways. He knows how to get through the gateways. You don't need a channel to do it. And in the scene where she's opening it, the Ogier's standing right there. So why make that change when you can use what's originally in the book? Because now you're just introducing more questions that don't mm-hmm. need to be asked, whereas you could just do it the original way, and it stays more faithful in an adaptation in a way that doesn't matter. And you know, and people will be like, well, if it doesn't matter, why do you care that it's changed? And my response is, well, if it doesn't matter, why did they change it? If you're not changing it for a purpose... Leave it the way it is. It's an adaptation. It's not your original fiction. I guess the biggest change which they made was the dragon could be male or female. That. And they need to find her, them. Due to modern sensibilities, I can see why they would do that. And I don't want to get too much on a, into that bogeyman because that will stir up, that'll stir the dark one out of their corner of the internet. So, but due to modern sensibilities, I can see why you can't just say it has to be a guy. Now, from the purpose, from the perspective of a book reader, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Just because if the dragon reborn is female, then they it won't be matter. tempted by the darkness. Because, well, I mean, they might be female. The first dark friend we meet is female. Yeah, but she also wasn't a channelist. Yeah, so. but it just like the whole reason that they're so worried about the dragon in the first place was because he went mad and broke the world, and the men go mad when they channel. And so if you have a woman who won't go mad, that's What's a whole problem? Th- that's a threat gone right there, right? Yeah. So storyline-wise, that's a whole thing. But modern climate-wise, I can see why you'd make that change. And it doesn't honestly matter that much so long as you still build up the mystery and the meaning of what it means to be a dragon. But they don't explain what it means to be a dragon. They don't at all. And that, I think, I mean, I could sit here and just pick on a lot of things but essentially, it just is they're making changes for the sake of making changes, and they don't seem to care about whether or not those changes strengthen the final product. I wonder if maybe they started making changes, but then they had to make more changes to fill in holes. Or I think I also heard that they had issues, like back behind the scenes issues, which also resulted in changes being made. But I don't know any of the details. It's. But it is. It is. Not knowing anything behind the scenes, and as just a viewer, and a, as a yourself a book reader, it did seem annoying that they would seem to change everything every five seconds. Even things that don't matter, like one of the one of the things that stood out to me was when Rand was in the bookshop, oh, and that's when they meet the ogre. Yeah, actually, two things. Oh, sorry, ogier. 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 Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> so they meet the the ogier, and. 
Rand goes, oh no, pulls out his sword. One, why is he in a bookshop? They didn't explain that. Now, in his defense, the first thing you and I do whenever we visit a new city is go to a bookshop. Yes, but he's also from the middle of bumfuck nowhere. Yes. Where they don't have books. They... Apparently they do, because... They, do. They, have, they have a very few books. They have a few books. So he's like, oh my goodness, an ogre, and he's ogier. And the ogier is like, oh, I'm tired of swords being pointed at me because I got chased down the street the other day. And you're like, what is he doing here? Why would he get chased down the street in this city? Because it's supposed to be, like, multicultural. Yeah. And it's supposed to be safe for ogiers. Yes. And all the Aes Sedai seem to respect him, so it's weird that he would be chased down the street in a city that's actually safe for him. Yes. And then Rand picks up a book and or he's he's already he's already been looking at the book and the Ogier goes, Oh, I see you know this work and he's like, Yes, it's Egwene's favourite book. And you were like, No <laughs> I mean that's going back to the Egwene is Poochie. Egwene Egwene is Poochie. Everything be- has to be about be about Egwene. Because, you know, Rand can't have a favourite book. No, because that's what you told me. You were like, oh, yeah, that's actually supposed to be Rand's favorite book. And I was like, no, poor Rand. Yeah, give it a couple books and he gets a new horse and he names his horse after a character in the book. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Don't um, don't worry. In the TV show, he's going to call his horse um, Egwene. Oh, gee. (laughs) (sighs) He probably doesn't need to. He's riding her enough. (laughs) No, so... But that's that's one of the other issues though that I have with it is that they're making changes that don't need to be changed, and then it feels like occasionally they throw the book readers a bone by saying, "Oh, but we put in this bit from the book." Yeah. But they don't seem to care about whether or not the bit they put in makes sense makes sense in the new context. Yes. And so it constantly or, contradicts or, itself. Yeah, or like the whole issue with uh, loyal the Ogier right there. It's like, dude, you're in Tarvalon. People aren't number one. Due to whatever budget constraints there were, you don't look like Ogiers look like in the books. And so no one's confusing you for a Trolloc because that's why they're chasing down the street in the books as they go, oh, no, it's a Trolloc. He's gotten to the city. And this is a much different city. And this is a city where there's a bunch of random shit going on. And there's white cloak agitators trying to trying to stir up a coup against the queen. So it's a much different political climate in the city where he gets chased down the street compared to Tarvalon, which is Ogier built. I think at this time in the books, there are actually a team of Ogiers there repairing the city. There's an Ogier grove within the walls of the city. As they mentioned in the show, Ogier have free access to the White Tower whenever they want to wander in, but other people can't. So, dude, you're not getting chased down the street in Tarvalon. I'm sorry. Especially when in the show, you don't stand out. No. Like, if I was walking down the street here in Japan, I probably wouldn't see a guy like that unless I was down in, I don't know, Dotonbori or somewhere. But even still, the only reason I'd double take is it'd be a ginger afro. I haven't seen one of those. That would be like the only thing to get me to do a double take about the guy. He's not particularly tall. He's not. He doesn't look particularly different. I saw the other one the other day when we were in Shinsekai. There we and go. And there was that drunk guy down walking down the street with the little fluffy dog. Yep. He so, like, the way that you look in the show, you don't stand out. The scene is pointless except for to be to the wink, wink, nod, nod to the book readers saying, hey, you remember this? And it's like, but it doesn't fit here. Yeah. And they, they keep doing little bits like that throughout the show. Like, even sometimes just dropping random tar- terminology. That they or, don't explain. That they don't explain. Ah. Or when uh, Rand's dad 
first pulls out the sword, it does a very dramatic zoom in on the heron on the blade. Yeah. At the end of the episode, I didn't realize he had it with him. Well, not even that he had it with him, but they never bothered to explain anything about what that sword might mean nope. throughout the entire eight episodes. Just... It's the sword. We, it's it's the sword you know. Well, I, I I knew again from being a fan of fantasy and being a fan of TV shows that, oh, this is important. This is telling me this is important. I mean, and then they don't do anything with it. Rand, I don't see Rand with it. You don't see him taking it out of the city. Uh, he pulls it out on the Ogier in the city. Yeah, but you don't. Five I didn't realize that was that sword because oh. you don't see the crest. Yeah. They haven't pointed it out. And it's only until the very last episode that they're like, oh, this is important. And so that, that's another issue is that they've taken what is character development. Like the sword means a lot to Rand because of issues. And they've just Does turned it? it in the books. But they've, okay. they've turned it into just a, a Chekhov's gun. They show it to you very clearly at the beginning. Mm. And so then you sit there going, that sword's going to be an issue. That sword's going to be a big deal. And essentially, as a viewer, you're just sitting there waiting for it to go off. Yes. You know, you don't, you don't, it has no other purpose at this point until finally at some point goes, aha, I know that sword. And in this case, they use it as the flashback to Rand's dad finding his mom on the mountain. They show the sword and they go, oh, that's the same sword he had. This baby must be Rand. But they've already told you that like three times before that happens. So it, you, the sword doesn't matter because everyone else has already told you the baby's Rand, by the way. And you're like, oh, the sword, that's his dad. It's like, yeah, no shit. How else would he have gotten him in the two rivers? Babies don't travel. I mean. It's not what they do. They do with their parents. With someone. Or kidnappers. Or kidnappers. Um, but so you get all these issues. And then at some point, it just feels like they're using them to almost undermine the characters. So... Like, 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 this is Egwene's favorite book. Oh, that, uh, I mean, just, they have Lan and Nynaeve sleep together. And then he, uh, I looked this bit up. I heard something about it and I looked it up because I didn't actually end up watching the final episodes, except for when you were like, hey, can you watch this and tell me if this makes sense? I'm like, no, it doesn't make sense. And then I'd watch it. <laughs> but so after they sleep together, they have Lan and Nynaeve talking. And he gives her this really heartfelt speech about how they can't be together. I mean, and they just were, but okay. No, but the speech that he gives is like word for word a scene from the books. Oh, okay. Now, in the scene from the books, they haven't just slept together. And it's from the point of view of Rand, who happens to overhear what's going on, realizes he's listening to something that he shouldn't be hearing, and pushes it out of his mind, except for the fact that he doesn't push it out of his mind. He learns entirely the wrong lesson from it. And this causes him, this is just one part of a series of issues that causes massive issues later in the series. But in the show, they're like, oh, this is a really touching moment for Lan and Nynaeve. We're going to have him say it to it. And it essentially turns Lan into your every average day, I don't know, frat house fuckboy who goes, hey, I just smashed, but here's some sweet poetry. Sorry, we can't be together. Like, peace. Peace. Yeah. It's like, it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, well, I mean, you've taken what was yeah. supposed to be a touching moment and a big part of character development for another character and you've turned it into, you've like flipped it on its head. You've made Lan into a piece of shit who's just like, yo, I'll smash, but we can't have anything more than that. No relationship here. Don't, don't try to shackle me down. Freewheeling samurai sword dude here. And it's like, what are you doing to these characters? 
I mean, ignoring the fact that most of the characters have nowhere to go character development wise because you've stolen them from five books in the future and plopped them into book one, just being like, oh yeah, this is when they were cool. So we're going to put him here and not give you any of the growth that they go through. It's just, I don't know. It's just so bad. It's just so stupid. I mean, you were talking about how you liked uh, some bits with Perrin. Yeah, some bits. I just, like, I think he was a good actor. But, like, again, it, there's no. But he, yeah, he doesn't have. As we already said, he doesn't have any motivation in the show. He has no motivation, and he does. Actually, if anything, he just he has horrible, severe depression and PTSD from murdering his wife, and he really needs therapy. But instead, is just keeping it all bottled up inside and. It seems to me that he would rather just sleep his days away and never do anything. Yeah. That's a fun character to watch, though, right? Well, I mean, I liked, that makes you, I liked him at the beginning. That makes you invested in a story, right? What story? Exactly. <laughs> and then when you get to what is in the books, one of, like, essentially his catalyst, mm-hmm. you know, his call to adventure, the thing that really kind of starts to set everything off, they take it from him and they give it to Egwene as well. Wait, really? Yes. Ouch. One of Perrin's, like, not much, somewhat in book one, but mostly one of the big things that he has to deal with is the repercussions of violence. Mm-hmm. That's Perrin's big thing. And part of that stems from him killing three white cloaks. Or in the TV series, his wife. Yeah. But no one knows he killed his wife. No, he the doesn't. white cloaks know he killed three white cloaks. Oh. And they want their pound of flesh. Oh, Okay. So he doesn't even kill one white cloak. No, because when he gets in a position to do so, Egwene stabs him. Egwene steals Egwene stabs him. The guy. Egwene's, oh, yeah. Oh shoot! And so, if you want to change things around storyline wise, like the character that they end up stabbing is very important later in the series. But if you want to change things around, that's fine. Because I'm talking about adaptations, right? You know, this is this is you're putting Arwen into an earlier scene. You have Perrin. You know, he's having some weird wolf power. They never really explain what that is, but it doesn't matter. You have Perrin break free of the bonds with Egwene's help, you know, give her a bit to do in the scene. That's fine. And then have Perrin just somehow maul the guy. Leave him alive still, but he's mauled and he's disfigured and he's pissed off. Let him put which, up- which would then explain why he was like, oh, wait, no, I guess because we don't really want him to be. Oh, no. because Yeah, I don't want he's... him to be scared anyway. Like, he should he should see Perrin break free and he should he's holding a knife. He should try to fight back and Perrin should just maul him. Like, A, because it's giving into an angrier side when he's been showing all this pacifism lectures from the tinkers anyway, um, traveling people, whatever they call them in the, mo- in the show. So you're setting up this dichotomy between peace and anger. You're setting it up that when you give in to anger, bad things happen. You kill your wife, you maul a white cloak. And this is a very important white cloak who will then try to track you down specifically because you mauled him. And but also in- it doesn't neuter your threat it doesn't neuter your threat because he's actually fought back instead and of going ah. so so you can do a lot more with these characters but now who gives a shit he's after Egwene, but he thinks Egwene's an eyes to die and he's a white cloak so they're after eyes to die anyway you haven't changed anything about the status quo you haven't made me give a shit and all you've done is neuter your villain by having him act scared that some dude broke free of a rope i mean like it's it's where does Perrin go from this? What are you doing with him? If you want to skip his whole, you know, back and forth debacle with the white cloaks, okay, fine. But what is he going to do instead? And if the answer is he's going to mope around and do fuck all, that's not engaging television. No. Hopefully that rant made sense. <laughs> well, it made more sense than the rant in the show. Oh but a boom. 
I also heard that they recast one of the characters, but I forget who. Barney's out. Barney played Matt. Oh, so no. the best actor of the three main three guys is out. <laughs> Probably because he didn't do anything in the show. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't, well, for whatever reasons, he's out and we're not going to watch season two. Might read the books. Might read the first three books. Because you said the third book ends on a pretty good note. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a fantasy book, so it also kind of launches... It, it It's not a cliffhanger, but it does kind of... It's a conclusion that you can bounce off into another plot. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. And book two is really fun. Okay. Uh, I say that, though. I mean, we're talking about adaptations. If I were to be the showrunner for this, just as my final bombshell, I would probably cut book two from the TV series. <laughs> just because for your main character at that point, his big emotional struggle in book two is the exact same emotional struggle he has in book three. And thankfully, Robert Jordan, the author, realized that and actually cut the main character from most of book three. But you can't cut a main character from most of a season of television. Well, so I wait, you mean we can't cut Moraine from season two? Main character in the books. Oh, sorry. 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 Yeah. They, they didn't pour their budget into one character in the book, so they didn't have to focus entirely on that actress. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I will say this. Because of things like that. It gives me a deeper respect when you watch a movie with a big name actor who doesn't take over. Yes. So like in Hot Fuzz, mm-hmm. the most famous actor in Hot Fuzz is Timothy Dalton. Mm-hmm. And he steals every scene he's in, but he doesn't take over the movie. No. Dune? Dune was a fantastic adaptation with a lot of very big name actors who were not the main characters. They let Timothy, Timothy, Timothy Chalamet be the main character because that's what paul is yeah yeah well thanks for listening <laughs> i mean to the end if you if you like the show I, and you managed to survive this long <laughs> and you listen to us rant about it if you like the show and you haven't read the book i would really really suggest reading the book because i find that it tells the story in a much more satisfying way but i also don't want to just I'm not saying that you are wrong for liking the show. Don't take this in any way as me yeah, trying no, to this say, like, just you us. have a bad opinion. This, this was us not liking the show. This was us looking at it critically from our background and our point of view. Mm. So I, I, I never want to come into these to just shit on things. Yeah. It's not what I'm here for. But I do hope personally to learn lessons about what I don't like to apply to things that I might create in the future. Mm-hmm. So. That's just a final note. (laughs) That was a good final note. But that said, if you think I'm wrong, go ahead and leave a comment below. (laughs) If you think Jen's wrong, leave a comment on Twitter. No, 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 not on Twitter. My bus follows me on Twitter. Oh, uh, leave Jen's comments (laughs) on the website and my comments on Twitter. You don't, no one knows what your Twitter is. No, I mean, just below the show listing. Oh, okay. Don't tag me in it. Gross. Oh, Kenny's going to tag you in. Ah, gross. Kenny's (laughs) the worst. Kenny's the worst. (laughs) No, but yeah, I mean. (laughs) But yeah, no. We had a lot to say, but we're obviously not in any way infallible. So if you have an opinion that you think challenges us or agrees with us or anything, we'd love to hear it just because it's always fun to get a new way to look at something. And that's why we do this, because we like having discussions about things. Yes. But yes. You can find us on Twitter at at, at Annie Bros Creative. Or, or on, on our the website, www.annabrosecreative.com. Well, you don't need the www anymore. I was Jen. I was Wesley. Bye. Bye. <laughs>